We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, everybody stick around. We're going to get into our minor league minute and then break down some of the new additions and how they've done in the Royal system here in just a second. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. All right, welcome back in to another episode of the Royals Farm Report podcast. My name is Alex Duvall, joined tonight for like, was it three weeks in a row, four weeks in a row, the band has been back together. Basically, since the the trade deadline passed at the beginning of August, it's just been the three of us, which has been a nice little run here. Uh, Joel, start with you. How are we doing tonight? Did you watch any football over the weekend? Oh, yeah, I was locked in on Northwestern Nebraska uh, there in week zero, and I wish I was in Dublin for all the free beer that was supposedly available. Uh, my favorite thing I ever saw from that is all the the reporters that had like boots on the ground that were looking around and sending DMs. The the best thing I saw from this is in the middle of the third quarter. They this tweet says they're out of beer. I just watch a guy walk by me with two pints of gin and tonic. <laughs> yep, I saw that as well. Two the beer, the beer snake, the cup snake made it to the second level. Football yeah. is so back, <laughs> all the way back. I was highly invested in that game. My a good friend of mine was the starting right guard for Northwestern, so I was tuned in, locked in, and watched more of the offensive line than I have ever watched in a football game in my entire life. Okay, did you know that Nebraska was totally going to lose that game when they went for the onside kick? I knew on Friday night they were going to lose. <laughs> Fair enough. That's fair. That's fair. So yeah, you probably Friday took a night, bet or two, made it better to then. Huh? I was at the game, the Royals game with Tucker on Friday mm. night, and I looked over. I was like, "Tuck, are we are we riding the cats tomorrow?" And he's like, "Absolutely." It's like, okay, Emol, every man wildcat this weekend. Uh, Josh, you watch any football this weekend? I watched no football except for a little bit of the Chiefs game uh, the other night. That's that's literally all I've uh, really had time to do outside of following these minor league teams. Week zero is amazing because it's, I was locked yeah. in on UConn and Utah State. <laughs> I watched. I willingly stayed up to watch Vanderbilt Hawaii. Like yeah. that's how football 
starved we are as a country. I'm not. I'm not even going to act like I give two hells in a handbasket about any other team outside of Mizzou as far college football uh, goes. So I, I'm not even going to try to pretend to watch Northwestern and Nebraska and pretend like I understand what's going on and have any skin in the game. I don't like football that much to just sit there and watch that two, three, and nine teams play or whatever they're going. I will say I saw that Vanderbilt scored 56 points for the first time 63. since 1948. They hadn't scored 56 since 1948. Do you guys know what was going on in the world in 1948? A lot of things aren't happening yeah. right now and vice yeah. versa. Like, holy cow, Vanderbilt. Like, anyway, that was, I thought that was absolutely incredible. Speaking of minor league teams, let's get really quick into the minor league minute brought to you guys by Drum Farm, Drum Farm Center for Children. Um, off Lee Summit Road, Lee Summit, Missouri has a wonderful campus for foster families to live in community with one another, supporting kids who have aged out of the foster care system while giving them something to do, something to work toward while they are going through school and, and like we said, living. Um, through through what are obviously tough times. So uh, big thanks to Drum Farm for picking up the minor league minute. Let's talk about some of these minor league teams. You guys, Carter Jensen this week, 12 walks to three, count them three strikeouts. The Salem Red Sox basically said, hey, Carter, it ain't going to happen. You're not going to beat us because you're a bully. You're too good. We're not pitching to you anymore. 12 walks to three strikeouts as the Fireflies take four of six from the Salem Red Sox. They are still three and a half games back of a second half playoff spot like we talked about last week. If you're unfamiliar in minor leagues and some of the leagues and some of the levels, um, the records, the standings reset after the first half. So the Fireflies had a rough first half, but they've been so good in the second half. They are three games back of a playoff spot and – the team that's in first place, they have six games with next week. So not this coming week. They're in Carolina, who's in second place in the North Division or wherever the other division is. But in the Fireflies division, the Charleston River Dogs are in first place. They have six games with them. That will ultimately decide who goes to the playoffs for the second half bid. Joshua, anything else stand out to you from the Fireflies this week? Uh Clutch City, they had almost four walk-off game winners. Uh, instead, they had to settle for just three. So, I mean, it's Clutch City over there. And also, there were five of six of the starts from the starting pitchers this week were quality. Um, as far as, like, minor league quality starts go, Luander Avila today, five innings pitched, no earned, six total runners and three strikeouts. Bernal, six innings pitched, one earned, eight runners, three strikeouts. Ben Hernandez back on the radar, five innings pitched, no earned, six runners, and five strikeouts. Panzini yesterday, I believe, was four innings pitched, one earned, six runners, and six strikeouts. And big Frank the Tank Mazzucato, six innings pitched, no earned, five total runners, and seven strikeouts. So give me some Frank Mazzucato. It looks like those starters, we talked about the trio last year or last week. The only standout this week that really wasn't that good was Kuderner's five innings. I think he gave him five earned or something like that. But we talked about the trio last week, and now we follow that up with five great starts from that pitching core, throwing that those offensive juggernauts that they kind of added to this lineup, and it is a scary lineup down the stretch. Also, that Charleston series is closes out the season. So they get six games to catch like three, three and a half games, whatever they are. They just have to stay within six games, and it's going to be – 
absolutely uh, great to kind of wind down the season on. Yeah, they've added some reinforcements in Gavin Cross, who last I checked still had an OPS over 1,000 in yep. low A. I do not believe that's the case anymore, but it's close. He's right around 1,000 while he's been in low A. Caden Wallace roped a double off the wall. He kind of pimped it. He kind of yeah. thought he got it. If you watch the video, he thought he got it. Banged off the wall, winds up with a double. Lisandro Rodriguez. That was going to be my thing. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a it's a Lisandro Rodriguez show this week. Two walk offs mm-hmm. back to back. Pimp the hell out of a home run there. I think it was on Tuesday night. There is just easy juice in that swing. Dude, like you, absolutely lightning hands. A good feel for the barrel. We're going to be talking about him. I think in the same way we're talking about some of these young hitters. The way like he's burst on quickly. I feel like in the way that we kind of talked about Tyler Gentry going into next season, I think we're going to have that same kind of vibe because there was there was some uh, some results from Tyler Gentry last year, but it, there wasn't a giant sample because he got hurt. But yeah. then, but you know that like the player in there was really good. I think Lozandro Rodriguez in a smaller sample that we've seen over the last couple of weeks since coming over from the complex, going into next season, I bet he probably starts the year in low A. Would not shock me if he's in high A by June. This kid is coming on quick, and again, uh, we praise you, Drew Saylor, for just finding <laughs> these guys. And I mean, that kid is going to be a stud. I just, I, I, I get that feeling. You can just see the swing. You can see the process, the way the ball jumps off the bat. It just has that different feel. So I'm excited for what he's going to do. It's just crazy. Like the first thing we saw the highlights this week, and the first thing I saw is like. That was the most potentially the most effortless power I have ever seen outside of like Giancarlo. Not saying he's Giancarlo Stanton, but it's just like he barely swings at it and it goes so far. Now Diego Hernandez, it's like the same swing. Yeah. That's a that's a good comp, yeah. But it's just I know like, what you mean though, you... like that. How did that guy hit that far? You know? Yeah. It's like you barely put the barrel on the ball and look at it go. <laughs> Um, Lisandro Rodriguez, Rodriguez, if you go back to the beginning of 2021 and lower the plate appearances sample way down so that Rodriguez fits, he has the highest weighted runs created plus in the system since the beginning of last season. Like that's, even higher than Junior Marin, who yeah, Junior Marin. Marin was like over 200 yeah. in the DSL. His he's been Junior Marin's been very good in the complex league. There's some outliers around him. Right. But his weighted runs created plus isn't as high. And Lisandro Rodriguez is like 160 at every level. I mean, he just keeps trucking along. He's been incredible. And I think you have to start talking about him, even without the tools. Anytime a 19-year-old is hitting for a little bit of juice with a good strikeout to walk ratio and full season ball, you kind of have to start acknowledging like, hey, even if all the tools don't match up and even if we haven't seen a lot, just the outright production, you know – at some point, he's a top prospect. He's got to yeah. be considered a top prospect. And honestly, at midseason next year, if he was in our top 25, would it surprise anybody? Not at all. Yeah, he's been outstanding. So really cool to see. Um, hopefully that will continue again for the 19-year-old second baseman down there in Columbia. Let's jump to Quad Cities where things are not quite as bright, but still plenty of reasons to continue watching the River Bandits. The River Bandits yeah. this week dropped four of six after winning the first two games of the series to Dayton. So win a couple, dropped four in a row, some combination of struggles on the pitching staff with some struggles on the offense. They just didn't kind of click after the first two games when they did get two good starts early on. The guy that I continue to keep my eye on the most down there is Peyton Wilson. 
Although Darren Daryl Collins today hit a home run for an 18 game hitting streak, his first hang the banner, hang the banner. (laughs) I I don't know what to make of Daryl Collins. If he was Nicky Lopez's size in a middle infielder, I think we'd be way higher on him because the bat to ball skills and the plate discipline numbers are so elite. I'll use the word elite. They're elite Mm. bat to ball and plate discipline. He's not hitting for any power, even though he's a big kid and he's a left fielder. So it's like with Lopez, even though he wasn't hitting for much power, you knew he could run and play great defense on the infield. So there's less concern with Collins playing left field and not being a bag stealer. He's got to hit and he's not. The thing is we've seen him hit balls really hard and we've seen him hit home runs really far, but they're few and far between. I've never seen a prospect so um, not confusing, but tantalizing. It's like, it's in mm-hmm. there. I can see it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was driving the train, said he'd be a top 100 prospect by the end of the season. And I stand by the theory. I stand by that. I think Daryl Collins has it in him, but he's got to, he's got to find that power stroke today. He launches a home run in the right field. So it's clearly there. It's just a matter of getting to it more frequently. Peyton Wilson had a good week. Peyton Wilson, has recently found the an ability to impact the baseball where he will never be a 300 hitter, I don't think. And his strikeout to walk ratio, in my opinion, will resemble a little bit of Michael Massey. What we're seeing with Massey right now is when the hitting isn't going well, what do you fall back on? Well, if you're not walking, then offensively, when you're not a 30 home run hitter, it's tough to get through these slumps. And I think Peyton Wilson will will fit into there where he will be a highly thought of prospect with a good defensive value, but never the type of bat that locks him into a lineup every day. But I think in two years, if we're talking about Peyton Wilson in the same vein, we were talking about Michael Massey just a couple of months ago, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be surprised. So a couple of big bats there in quad cities, despite an overall kind of lack of, of impacts in terms of, of standing. So. Hmm. Tyler Tolbert's fifty six to fifty six yep. for stolen bases. Got it. Got to go, Tolbert. Thank you for bringing he, that up. I mean, his bat. He had a monster week at the plate too. Yeah, he did. He had a really two, good two doubles, with, two triples. Yeah, that's the thing with Tolbert. Like you talk about a guy who can impact the baseball. He's a really good athlete. When he makes contact, it's good contact. It's just yeah. again, the contact is is few and far between. But um, he is hundred and nine out of hundred and eleven stolen base uh, successes <laughs> in the last two seasons. That's stupid. That's I, made a, I made a comment in the group chat. Is this the greatest base stealing yeah. season we've seen from a runner in the modern era in minor league baseball? And you know, somebody brought up Billy Hamilton, and Billy yeah. Hamilton stole 155 bags in a year or something crazy, but he was also caught 37 times. Yeah. Tyler Tolbert has only has a third of the stolen bases, but he hasn't been caught. Like that's yep. that's the thing is he has not been caught stealing, dude. He got picked off on live TV and still made it. He yep. still it wasn't even close. So yeah, he's is, is be he, so much fun to watch. Is he the new Terrence Gore? Uh, let's say the Royals are competing in the next two or three seasons. Is is Gore? Is he the next Gore where he gets added to the forty man? He's a four, He's a base running specialist. Comes in late innings, ripping bags. Is he the new one? Yeah, God, but I think yeah. he can at least relatively hold his own at the plate. Like, I don't think it's like a like, like two sixteen or something now, right? I mean, Terrence Gore can't swing a 
Like, at least Tyler Tolbert kind of can. I'm somewhere in between. He's he's not quite as bad as Terrence Gore at the plate. I don't think it'll ever be enough to give him starts for any reason. But I do think he's closer to Gerard Dyson than Gore was in yeah. that Gore in center field was fast, but it wasn't pretty necessarily. Where yeah. My thing with them playing Tolbert at shortstop is like, when are you ever going to pinch run for a shortstop at the big league level? <laughs> Let him go play the center field because what you might do is pinch run for MJ Melendez. What you might do is pinch run for a Hunter Dozier or a Vinny Pasquantino or a Nick Prado who might be in the outfield at some point. Let Tolbert, who can go get it, play the outfield because I think what he could do is come on as a pinch runner in the eighth inning and go play left field in the ninth inning. Whereas mm -hmm. Gore, if you had to put him in the outfield, it was kind of like a cross your fingers and let's just pray this works out. But Tolbert yeah. has a great arm and great range. So I think he's closer to Dyson in that regard. I just don't know that the bat will ever be enough to like start him for any reason. Yeah. yeah. I didn't, I didn't mean, yeah. Well, like when I said the bat can hold up, like I don't think it's like a, you get like you can in like a super, super, super pinch, but it's not like Terrence Gore where it was a disaster if he actually punting <laughs> every time. Yes. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Any other thoughts on quad cities? Got to talk to talk about Adrian Alcantara again. Absolute shoved again. Six and two thirds, one earns, eleven strikeouts. Um, his is. last three starts, eighteen two thirds, and he pitched four earned over those twenty-seven strikeouts. Only three walks, which seems to be the the boogeyman in this organization. But a thirty-eight point six percent K rate and a four point three percent walk rate in those three starts. Uh, he's absolutely shoving right now. At what point? Uh, and I guess this is a, more of a, a general question of philosophy and not Adrian Alcantara specific. But at what point do guys with bad fastballs have enough off-speed stuff that it doesn't impact them as much? Because Adrian Alcantara's fastball is not playable at the big leagues, which is why no. he was on our honorable mention and not the top 50, is his fastball, obviously compared to a high school kid, is very good, right? But to a big league hitter, it's not good. It's bad. It has not good shape. It doesn't sink enough. It doesn't cut enough to be a not four-seamer. It doesn't throw it 95. It throws it 92, 93. It's like, at what point, though, do his splitter and breaking ball in command make that a little less relevant to the point where he can be a 40 future value type of player to the point where he might be able to make it in the bullpen because right now I look at him and go, man, this is awesome. It's fun to watch. This dude's a competitor. His off-speed stuff's fantastic, and his fastball is just – it's not good. Mm. I mean, are there any examples of that from a righty in the big leagues? Man. That just never throws – I mean, Sergio Romo, is that – are we – Yeah, are we I mean, there? Sergio Romo would be the only example. Like, that was slider, 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 slider. And that's from a funky delivery one inning at a time. You I mean, can I look in-house and say Jake Junis a little bit there too. Potentially, actually, that's that's, that's probably right. the best example. But you have to have a borderline seventy grade offering in the slider. Yeah. So, but now Alcantara has two of those pitches, right? He has two, yeah. a changeup and a breaking ball. So Junis might actually be. That's a really good point. That might be the best example of a guy where if you can maximize a bad fastball to not be horrible, and let the breaking stuff take over, then then maybe that's your guy. Um, yeah. That's a really good point. Okay, on to double A. The Naturals split the series with Springfield. 
I do not believe they are in much of a playoff chase with two weeks here left to go. Still plenty of reasons to stay tuned to that team. CJ Alexander continues to just hit. I, I'm not, I'm done making sense of that. Drew Sailor is outstanding. <laughs> I just, they, they have some, they have Tyler Gentry, Diego Hernandez, and a lot of like mm. fringe top 30 prospects. So I've been, I've enjoyed watching them. TJ Sikama has been fun to watch down there, even though he hasn't been great all the time. They still have Andrew Hoffman. They still have Alec Marsh. John Bolin pitched great today. So you, don't have a lot of star power there like you do in Columbia, but still a lot of guys who are probably going to compete to help out the big league team here pretty quick. So still, still plenty of reasons to tune in down there. Any yeah. thoughts on Northwest Arkansas? I didn't get to watch a ton of them this week. Yeah, I didn't either. Uh, I mean, the only real thing that you kind of brought up was bowling. Um, I know you've talked about it in the past coming off of TJ the sharpness of the the breaking balls and, and the velocity is kind of the thing that kind of keep an eye on. They don't have a lot of radar guns down there in double A uh, for Velo, but it just I just want to keep an eye on where he's at, where he's on a road to recovery, just so we can start looking at next year to see, you know, how how much stock we should keep keep putting into him. I watched the first three innings of his start today, and it looked very much like a guy recovering from Tommy John it was he was about 80 percent of where he was last year in terms of stuff in terms of velocity movement sharpness he was hitting his spots finding corners keeping the ball off the barrel and he didn't walk anybody Mm -hmm. it was like okay in terms of a progression of rehab that's exactly what you want a guy to look like 14 15 months off Tommy John surgery I thought he looked good today in terms of rehabbing Mm. like you said, what will matter next spring training and as it gets to Omaha next year is how quickly can the stuff come back? Because today he looked like the pitcher we all think he is, all thought he was. They could pitch in the big leagues right now. He did not have the stuff that was anywhere close to being big league ready, which is okay. He's rehabbing. He doesn't need to be ready this year. What will matter eventually is does the stuff come all the way back I know we like to think of Tommy John as being something that's automatic. We know it's not automatic. It's it's important. To keep Everybody's that in mind. different. Everybody's that. different. We've seen that with Daniel Tillo this year a little bit too, where Daniel Tillo looked like he was ready to be a big league impact reliever, had Tommy John, and it's been hard for him to get back on the mound. So mm-hmm. important to keep that in mind. Tillo, by the way, is in San Francisco. I'm just using him as an example. Um, but, yeah, Bowen looked exactly like a guy that was – progressing extremely well through his rehab and they're still kind of uh, treating him a little bit like he is in rehab i think he's only 76 pitches today so uh efficient got five innings out of him scoreless only struck out two but uh yeah it's they are still treating him with kid gloves as they probably should be yeah and that's fine yep. up in omaha they won both games of a double header today to to split the series with a scranton wilkins booth <laughs> whatever the, whatever the Scranton they call Dunder Mifflins there. what the Scranton Dunder Mifflins Dunder Mifflins the AAA affiliate of the New York Bronx bombing Yankees um, guys Brewer Hicklin had himself a day I'm yeah. going to keep an eye on this because his weighted runs created plus before today was 125 he hit two doubles two home runs and a triple or something like that stole a couple bases 
Yep. He is the fourth player in the history of the Omaha Storm Chasers Royals franchise to have a 2020-20 season. It was like, who were the four? It was like Alex Gordon, Bobby Witt Jr., and a guy that didn't make it. Or maybe it was Carlos Beltran, Bobby Witt Jr., and a guy who didn't make it. Brewer Hicklin is more like the guy who didn't make it in that he strikes out entirely too much. And if you watch him play – there's no reason to ever throw him a strike. He is up there hacking. Um, But the reason, and I I tweeted about this, the reason I drafted him first overall is because of his potential to impact the baseball game like he's done this year. When we did our fantasy league, I may have surprised you guys when I drafted Brewer Hicklin first. But I think this year he's shown it. 20 home runs, 20 doubles, 20 stolen bases is exactly kind of – obviously that's a very rare feat to get about 20 of each, but – the the idea of him going 2020 in that park there in Omaha was I thought pretty pretty reasonable. He is outstanding. We still have him in our top 20, I think, or do we have him 21? Doesn't matter. He's right there, 2021 on our list because his ability to impact a baseball game is higher than most people in the minor leagues and the for the Royals right now, most players. But the strikeout rate is so obnoxious. He just will never be able to play every day. So I kind of wonder, like, does he have a spot on this team? Kind of a hypothetical here really quick, because Nate Eaton is a little bit of a safer bat and provides you with the defense. Yeah. Kyle Isbell is at least a left-handed version of what Brewer Hicklin probably is long-term. Like, I just don't know what his role is anymore because they've got – I mean, they're giving Brent Rooker a look over him. And I think for me, watching them give Brent Rooker the look – isn't the death sentence that I thought would get Hicklin down on the depth chart, but that's enough for me to know that it's probably not happening for Hicklin long-term. Yeah. I think the strikeouts are just too much for him to overcome that. I, I don't know if he ever gets a, a long-term shot in the big leagues, even as a, a bench bat, like a lefty killer type. I just, I don't know if he's ever anything more than a defensive replacement pinch runner you can throw him in the lineup if you need to, if you're really in a pinch with like the injured list or something like that. But I don't think he's a long-term big league option, which sucks because everything we hear about him is that he's a great dude. You know, he, he's there to grind every day. He's a good teammate, but I just don't think it's going to work out for him at the big league level because he strikes out so much. It's just not going to be feasible. And Alex, I think you took, you talked about other preseason everywhere he goes, they win ships. So just bring the catalyst and he could be a, he could be the Ryan O'Hearn role. It's like you see him every fifth day or whatever. Yeah. He's just there to be the 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 lucky rabbit's foot, the uh, the catalyst that uh, that puts you over the top for the championship. But of course, I, I think the other big thing is the depth in front of him. Uh, you mentioned Rooker kind of getting a shot here prior, you know, more so than than uh, Hicklin is. But then there's also you know the Prados, the Melendez, the Isbells, the Michael A. Taylors at the Drew moment. Waters. The Hunter Dozier is going to need to be going to need to get abs. There's there's dudes that need abs that have major league maybe a higher ceiling um i I, we all love brewer hicklin i've talked about loving him he's like he's got the video game profile of just all the swing and miss a ton a good amount of power good defense and great speed just all around athlete i love that type of guy but it's just tough to translate when a you've got depth in front of you and b you you never quite know what you're going to get maybe he's like franchi cordero type of thing 
That's actually a, a, a fair point. And I think the – Oh, with defense. Thing, yeah, with defense, <laughs> right. The thing I keep coming back to is Nick Prado struck out in 30% of his plate appearances at AAA, and it's gone up just a tick uh, in the big leagues. Brewer Hicklin is striking out in 36% of his plate appearances at Omaha. I mean, it's Suley Matias-esque yeah. in terms of, like, crippling his ability to make that jump um, in terms of your evaluations. But again, like we said, he's been on the championship level teams. They found a roster spot for Ryan O'Hearn. If you can find a roster spot for Ryan O'Hearn, I wouldn't rule it out because there's a lot that Brewer Hicklin can do for you. Um, But I just, I wanted to give him his flowers here because he is an incredible athlete. He's been incredible for Omaha all season. And even if we don't see him at the big league level at some point soon, he is definitely worth remembering in terms of, a, a phenomenal human being. B, having one of the best seasons in Royals minor league recent history, just without the prospect status, probably going to allow him to compete at the big league level long term. A uh, couple other quick notes in Omaha. Nick Lofton, Michael Garcia both went deep today. Nick Lofton struggled to make the adjustment to Omaha and to the AAA pitching uh, quite recently. Three for three in that second game before I stopped watching it with a monster of a home run close to Michael Garcia's 440 feet. I think it was 425 or something. I like think that. we need to talk about the Michael Garcia 440 He's a power foot. Now. Get the get out the rye bread and mustard grand salami that he hit. Okay, can we just put the he's just another Nicky Lopez? Like we put that to bed. I don't know who said it. Can I don't we? remember who said it. I don't care who said it. It's dead. Is this real? It's done. It's done. All right. Like, I don't know if he's going to be hitting 440 foot tanks in triple, like in the majors, but there's more juice in that bat than people want to give him credit for. And the, and the, the biggest difference between him and Lopez for me is the intentions behind yes. the swing. Like, Garcia he's got some bad is intentions. trying to drive the ball in the air. Like, he's, he needs to get in the weight room and hit the buffet line a few times, <laughs> but he's trying to elevate, he's trying to hit line drives. Whereas Nicky Lopez's game is spread the ball around the field, keep it low, and and try not to hit the ball in the air. I think Garcia can survive hitting the ball in the air a little bit. Yeah. Is he going to be, uh, who's a good example, like a Hunter Dozier who could legitimately run into 20 home runs in any given year? No. But is it, could he be Whit Merrifield where if you put it in my zone, I have the ability to hit 10 every year? I 10 think to 12? So. I think that's yeah. totally feasible. And I think, I think Nick Lofton fits the same profile where – might not ever hit an opposite field home run, but if you miss in, have the ability to turn and burn, and just I don't think people realize the the impact of the ability to hit 10 home runs. Like think about Nicky Lopez, how he gets pitched. They throw him home run pitches all the time, daring him to try because they want the ball in the air. With Whit Merrifield, you couldn't miss in or middle because he legitimately might turn. And hit it out. He hit 19 in a year one time. So, I mean, I think Michael Garcia and Nick Lofton both have that ability, which if it does anything else, it gives them more opportunities for pitches that they can spray around the field, whereas Lopez, they've just gone high, 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 and, like, we dare you to hit it in the air, man. So um, that is, I think, the biggest separator and the biggest importance of what we saw from Garcia today is the threat of hitting the ball that far is way more important than whether or not he'll ever hit 15 home runs in the big leagues. 
I think that's perfectly fair. I uh, yeah. anybody know what his walk rate is now at at, at Omaha right now? Uh-uh. Like four percent or something crazy. He was like eleven point one in Double A, and he yeah. he came up to the major league, made his debut. And now he's in Omaha as a five point two with a twenty nine nine strikeout rate. So, yeah, we're talking about Michael Garcia. He's got five home runs, only had four in double a and had like what three times the amount of at bats so mm-hmm. <laughs> michael a, michael a garcia now that apparently is what i'm calling him but michael garcia power hitter right now all right speaking of it. power hitter we got to talk about freddie Fermin. let's do it why not let's talk about him I got time. I, who knows if he's a thing but by god he had a monster monster week like this is this is beyond Vinny Weeks. This is beyond Nick Prado Weeks. Six home runs, 12 RBIs, and a 1796 OPS. On the That'll year, play. 887 in 68 <sighs> games. 20, 27 years old. Who knows how real it is, but that's a pretty solid sample size. They've talked about it when he did get – was it the Toronto game where he got 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 mm-hmm. some action? Uh, they're talking about how everybody – all his teammates love him, so he's obviously a clubhouse glue guy. They've all, they've got uh, Salvi. They've got MJ. they got Seabast currently at, with the big league club i wonder if Fermin is thought of as like a potential backup that can actually you know maybe do some damage and hold his own behind the or on the dish depends on what they feel like they're going to do long term with mj i think and i also wonder if they think sebastian Rivero has enough upside on either side of the 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 coin there to to Me keep him on Gallagher. the 40 man yeah i i mean I think Sebastian Rivera can be Cam Gallagher. Pro, that that would make sense. Is Fermin's potential bat uh, at all like in the equation here over that? It doesn't seem like it, but is I don't it? think so. But you talk about a phenomenal dude and giving him his flowers, even though he may not ever make it. Getting to see him and Brewer Hicklin play in Toronto and be a part of the big league team was so cool. It was so yeah. cool getting to see them have an opportunity that they may not have otherwise gotten. Yeah. I don't know if Fermin is that guy, but could he be could he be the fourth catcher in your organization if MJ Salvi and Rivero are one, two, and three? Let's say one something terrible happens and they have to go on the 60-day IL and you promote Fermin to the 40 to be the third string catcher in that case. Mm. I think he's talented enough defensively to be that, but offensively, I don't think his bat will ever allow him to be on the 40-man roster on a regular basis, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So, yeah, not going to be added to the 40-man, in your opinion, this winter? I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, great week. Freddie, keep it up. Yes. Great season. You're doing you're doing your thing. Uh, we love you here at Royals Farm Report. That's it for the Minor League Minute this week, brought to you guys by Drum Farm. Drum Farm, uh, foster care center off of Lee Summit Road, Lee Summit, Missouri. Go check it out. Saturday mornings, the farmer's market is incredible. Cinnamon rolls petting zoo, that fresh veggies. I don't know what else you could ask for on a Saturday morning. Go check it out, especially as the weather uh, allows us to be outside a little more frequently without sweating bullets the moment you walk to your car. We're going to take a little break, get a a few words from our advertisers at Blue Wire. We will be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, sorry to interrupt, but I need to tell you about our friends at DraftKings. Kansas, DraftKings Sportsbook is coming to the Sunflower State. It won't be long until you can bet on all your favorite sports from the comfort of your own home. And to celebrate, all new customers will receive $100 in free bets when you sign up using code KCSN. Plus, one lucky customer will win a $100,000 free bet. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you $100 in free bets just for signing up today. No deposit required. Soon you'll be able to bet on money lines, spreads, props, and more with one of the America's top-rated sportsbook apps, DraftKings Sportsbook. Plus, you'll be entered to win a $100,000 free bet when you sign up. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code KCSN to get $100 in free bets to use once mobile sports betting hits Kansas. Plus, one customer will win a $100,000 free bet. That's code KCSN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. Must be 21 years or older. Physically present in Kansas. Eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at DraftKings.com sportsbook. Subject to regulatory licensing requirements. One per customer. $100 issued as $425 free bets. No purchase necessary for sweepstakes. Void were prohibited. Ends first day DraftKings is allowed to operate in Kansas. See terms at dkng.co slash ks. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, welcome back. Big thanks to our advertisers at Blue Wire. We are going to break down now some of the newcomers into the Royal system, whether it be through the trade deadline or through the MLB draft. Uh, really quick, let's hear a word from our title sponsor, Kansas City Strength and Conditioning. From the beginning, we knew right away that we wanted to do strength conditioning and a throwing program for the baseball and softball community. It wasn't something we were trying to back into or all of a sudden learn. We knew we were really good at these coaching these skills from the get-go. And the fact that we're in the same business and the employees are all on the same page, you know, we can write a program based off of what a kid needs, not just getting him stronger or faster from a general sense. It's what does this kid need? On the pitching end, we can say, hey, this kid needs such and such. He needs to do this or that better. A lot of times it turns out it's not something that needs to be fixed in the baseball cage or on the throwing mound, it actually needs to be fixed in the weight room. All right, gents. Uh, July and August are a wild time for minor league baseball because whether it's through trades or the draft, we are adding a ton of players into a system, trying to get them fit into the rankings, trying to incorporate them into our daily coverage, just like we do all the other guys. 
it's not likely that you ever add through trades like your top prospect, but sometimes you can get like we got like what four or five top 20 guys. We got one and what did Caden Wallace wind up at like number seven on our mm -hmm. list Don't through the good. draft. So there are all kinds of guys they added. I want to go through really quick. We got 14 guys on the list. Let's go through pretty quickly and hit some of the guys that we were big on when they brought them in and how they've been doing so far in the, at the minor league level. Brandon Johnson, reliever out of Ole Miss, made his debut for Columbia the other day. He had some of the best stuff plus numbers in all of college baseball. He was Ole Miss's closer, and now he's pitching for Columbia. Could be a big bullpen arm for them down the stretch as they chase the playoff spot. Cooper McKeehan and Ben Sears, both guys drafted this year. Ben Sears out of the University of Houston, Cooper McKeon out of BYU, both now in Columbia's bullpen. So we keep talking about college guys that Columbia has added to their bullpen. You want to talk about stocking up, trying to make a run at the playoffs. Hey, can we go get Brennan McNair out of Arizona as well? <laughs> Let's go get some more guys. Let's, Let's go it. keep adding weapons to the roster. I want to see the playoff push uh, down the stretch there in Columbia. Uh, another guy that – is brought he was brought in from the draft or let's talk about a few guys brought in from the draft here levi usher the center fielder out of louisville austin charles the 20th round pick that they got to sign took him out of uc santa barbara what a phenomenal uh, job there by danny ontiveros and company to make sure that he signed after they picked him both have had some experience in arizona levi usher has struggled a little bit hayden dunhurst is another guy i wanted to bring up has had an okay beginning to his professional career there in Arizona. Austin Charles, not a ton of action so far, but did have a couple hits in his first two games. So it's good to see him having an opportunity to swing the bat. Now what I'm going to be looking for is they've got him in a routine. They've got Austin Charles playing shortstop and hitting a little bit. At what point do they put him on the mound to let him throw in Arizona? We'll keep yeah. an eye on him down there. I'm first excited about that. Is, that. is that a new – like? O'Neill Cruz potentially is six six. Was it six six two fifteen? If he is actually the shortstop, I mean, that's that's got me a little juice too. He's he's good athlete. Let's we'll see how his hands and his, his like because I think one thing we saw Bobby Witt Jr. is clearly has the range to play shortstop in the big leagues. Yeah. Clearly has the arm strength, but the fundamentals in the hand eye coordination were not up to snuff for the big league shortstop position. Does, will that change long-term? Maybe, but they had to move him to third base here uh, mm -hmm. to get him into the swing of things. Uh, David Sandlin, goodness gracious. David Sandlin, out of Oklahoma, 11th-round pick, got like third-round money, second-round money, though, so we're talking about a, a premium talent. Got his first start in Arizona the other day through a couple innings. Joel, is this a guy we could be looking at in Columbia here next week as they, again, keep making this playoff push? If they want to make the playoff push, I don't see why the hell you don't, right? Like, get the guy in there, give him a couple outings, you know, in full season ball, and see where it goes. And maybe you give him your game three start in a playoff series, something like that, and just see where it goes. And he maybe you can start him there for a little bit next year. It's just a little bit of comfortability. Like, get him there to down to Columbia, get him used to that South Carolina heat, and then bring him back. Uh, there in April and get it rolling. Uh, I really like David Sandlin a lot and hope that we have an opportunity to see him over the next few weeks there as a Columbia mixed playoffs because they're making the playoffs. I'm just going to manifest it and say it happens. <laughs> Put it For out anybody there. who was maybe unfamiliar, David Sandlin, 
his teammate Cade Horton has some of the best stuff in the draft, was not very good early on for the Sooners, but he and Cade Horton was drafted seventh overall. He and David Sandlin both came on like crazy down the stretch for Oklahoma, carried them to the College World Series where they both pitched well in Omaha. Uh, David Sandlin clearly pitched in big moments, was shut down there for a little bit after the college season, is ramping back up in Arizona. I would think the only reason David Sandlin would be throwing in Arizona is if he's going to go to full season to participate in the playoffs. I don't know why else you'd throw him and just shut him down for the year. So we'll see if they can get him to Columbia. I would be excited for that just to see what David Salen looks like on a minor league feed. What's he look like in the playoffs against professional hitters at the full season level. So I will be excited and watching that very closely. They're going to have to figure out that they've already got six dudes that all started a game this week. So it's, they're going to have to figure out a roster rotation spot where that's coming from. If that's, if that's a thing. Well, and I think the, the thing to keep an eye on too is I don't know where they want Mazzucato, Caderna, Panzini in terms of innings. So could Mazzucato run out there in a playoff start for three, David Sandlin for three, and then the next day is Ben Caderna for three, Jonathan Bernal for three, right? So you bring in guys to piggyback in these starts. So we'll see how that plays out. Now there's some guys I want to spend a little more time on. Andrew Hoffman comes over to Kansas City in that trade that included Drew Waters for the 35th overall pick. He has made seven starts for the Northwest Arkansas Naturals, which should be noted – they were also his first seven double-A starts. So he was pitching really well at high A, 10.13 Ks per nine, 2.36 walks per nine, and a 2.36 ERA at high A in Atlanta. He comes to Northwest Arkansas. His strikeouts per nine are down under seven. His walks per nine are over four and a half, and his ERA is damn near six. Josh, you wanted to point something out, and I'm going to give you the floor here for a couple minutes. Trevor Hoffman. TJ Sikama, Beck Way, William Fleming, Max Castillo. The five of those arms have something in common. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you talk about that really quick. Um, they were throwing strikes and now they are not throwing strikes. Um, I know that's like the big thing. Every comment we ever post or say anything about a pitcher in the system, it's uh, you know, this the Royals are gonna kill them or gonna do something. At some point, <laughs> the results have to start pointing to that and you can, it's getting harder to defend it whenever the guys come in from another organization, come into the organization and their walk rates just sky high. That's always going to be like Hoffman always had control issues. Uh, I think Castillo is the same way. Uh, Beck way also had some command issues. They are bringing in projects because the Royals think that they can fix these dudes and that might be to their own detriment because if they can't fix them, and in fact they're doing it worse job than what than the, the team that they came from, it could start looking at a just an absolute obvious black eye that in the off season the owners, the management, the front office has to sit down and like point to and be like, okay, this is obviously an issue. None of these pitchers are taking steps forwards, and in fact, some of these guys, Lacey, Marsh, we talked about them over and over and over again, are taking steps back. What are we going to do to remedy this? This needs to be from top to bottom overhaul, it seems like. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's just, it's one thing to see your own system struggling to throw strikes, throwing wild pitches, hitting batters at a crazy rate. And then they start bringing in guys who we all stood up for. I mean, like, 
they're throwing pitches and they're throwing strikes in these other organizations. This is a great addition. I like this trade because of that. And then they come in and they don't throw strikes. It's like, I don't know. Something's got to give here. We either need to figure out and, and is this a money ball situation where we need to trust the process? <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, do we need to trust the, the, the established system and development team or do we need to just overhaul this whole thing it's not working. And where do we go from here? We need to figure that out this offseason because it's too important. There's too much stuff going on, too much writing on this pitching staff from uh, from the entire organization. Oh, yeah. I want to touch on one thing you said really quick, which is Hoffman's control was never really a big issue. William yep. Fleming was the one who had the control issues. So, Oh, Fle- okay. Right. Fleming is yeah. it. So, like three of those guys had varying levels of control already, but it has been exacerbated with the Royals. The, the thing that I think is, like, if you wanted one example of, like, damning evidence, TJ Sykema, I know he didn't pitch last year. I know he's rehabbing in, in some capacity, and I know they just moved him to double-A. However, 5.03 walks per nine in his mm-hmm. first five stars with Northwest Arkansas. That, to me, is the evidence. This is mm-hmm. a guy whose trademark quality – was his command, pinpoint yeah. command. Yeah. 2.3 walks per nine at high A, 0.84 in his first professional season. This guy don't miss. Yeah, He don't miss with anything. And it's not necessarily indicative of his command because part of not walking people is getting them to chase. Yes. But his command has not been good with Northwest Arkansas. I'm not saying the Royals did something to change that. They may have brought TJ Sikama in, put him on the mound, and said, okay, go do. Good luck. But yeah. when things get worse, it's how do you fix it? What cues was he getting from the Yankees? What cues was Andrew Hoffman getting from the Braves that got that command back on track? And I think the big thing that I want to be clear on is I will extend an olive branch, and I will go as far as to say that I don't know that it's the Royals breaking the pitchers. I won't say that the Royals are doing something that is making them worse, but what I think is factual and evident through every pitcher in the system is what the Royals have not done is a good enough job of fixing those issues. And at some point, if you are not part of the solution, you are inherently a part of the problem. So like this is, this is a really weird line of where, doing nothing and not being really good at your job is just as bad as not being as being bad at your job, right? Being neutral and yeah. being bad are the same. You mm-hmm. can be an average pitching coach or a bad pitching coach and you are the same. It's the exact same. And the guys in the organization that they have, I don't know who the pitching coach is at double A. I don't even know his name, but whoever it is might be a good pitching coach. Whatever it is he's doing, he needs to do differently because whatever it is he's doing is not helping these guys see better results. That is a fact. TJ Sykema has not been very good for Northwest Arkansas, and that's okay. It's fine. I am a believer in TJ Sykema. I still Mm -hmm. think he has back of the rotation starting ability in the big leagues, and I still think he could be a very quality reliever. I don't even know who the pitching coach AA is, I'm not even saying that it's his fault. He might be very good at his job, 
But what we need to see is a change, some self-reflection to go back and look at how we can help these guys better because whatever we we're doing right now isn't working. And mm. I know, ha, I gotta be careful here. <laughs> I know where this is going and I know the fallback that I'm probably going to get for this. I do this all the time with myself in a classroom, give a test, man, these kids bombed this test. I'm not going to get mad at my principal for yelling at me because the kids bombed the test. I'm not going to get mad at the kids for bombing the test. If I know that something went on, I might get mad at the kids. Like maybe if I knew some specifics, but I'll look in the mirror. What did I do? What happened? Did I miss a day? Was I gone sick? Did I take a day off and all of a sudden my kids are struggling because of it? Was I being lazy? Was I tired? What did I do incorrectly that my, all of my kids bombed the test? At some mm -hmm. point, it's not just the kid's fault. And it's not my principal's fault for telling me that I didn't do a good enough job. So a little bit of self-reflection, diagnosing the issue. Like you said, if it, if it requires a teardown, then it requires a teardown. But maybe a little bit of self-reflection is really what we need in the mm -hmm. long run. Because like you said, Beck Way is really the only pitcher that came over and has exceeded expectations or what he was doing at the previous level. So yeah. I totally agree with you. I'm glad you brought it up and you, and you put it really well, but I, it's coming to the point where I'm no longer mad. I'm just confused. It's like, just I just, disappointed. Want, I just want to see a solution. Like I want to see yeah. progress and go, okay, there it is. Like there's yep. the example yeah. of progress. So last thing really quick, before we get on to our last segment, Drew Waters, could anybody have expected him to do anything else than he's done? Honestly, no. I mean, the fact that he's gone to the big league level and he's not striking out a whole crap ton is a miracle in and of itself. <laughs> and I watched his at bat. I watched his at bat today. I was at the the game at the K with my mom, and I'm watching him. And he's going against Shamanaya, you know, at least the first couple of bats. Who's no, he's pretty tough. And the Royals got to him today, but generally we look at him as a solid big league pitcher. And Drew Waters put together some really good at bats, especially early on. Jumped a couple, you know, jumped the pitch early and got it. Worked a couple of counts later in the game. You know, he, he punched out once. Okay, he's gonna do that. But then the next at bat, he walks after a really good at bat that took about seven or eight pitches. So that's the improvement that we wanted to see. Drew Waters is going to strike out. It's just a part of his game. But the fact that the Royals have been able to take him right away and and cut down on his swing rates in crazy ways. He was swinging way way too much in, in atlanta you know with in triple a where it was just you could throw the rosin bag and he'd probably swing at it now we're getting to a point where he's able to be more selective and we're starting to see the dividends of it he's getting to more balls and he's making more contact putting together at, better at bats it's a much more winning formula there what, is one what, go ahead josh if you had to handicap the odds of his first rbi coming off of a walk what what are the odds of that? Like plus probably plus plus seventy thousand. Yeah, plus a thousand. I yeah, mean the, the the cojones it took to take that three two. Oh pitch man! Absolutely. In your first game in that moment, I good on you, man. He yep. took a three and two I, pitch today for his second walk that missed the zone by about that much in a situation yeah. where he like most guys would be coming out of their shoes. Game's over. I'm just up here swinging. He took a walk. I'm like, he's a changed man. He's a changed man. Did you guys know there's only one player in big league history whose ex-WOBA has expected weighted on base? Okay, so basically what I'm saying is one player in big league history 
who is more likely to get on base by swinging than not swinging. You know who that is? Ted Williams. Ted Williams is the only player in big league history who the likelihood of him getting on base went up when he swung. Everybody else, it decreases. Because swinging, especially think about it, Hall of Famers get a hit 30% of the time. You can swing a miss. You can strike out. There's a lot of things you could do besides getting a hit. Swing less is the motto. And Drew Waters has swung less. It's fantastic. I love what I'm seeing. And as, you know, as much as I'd like to see progress on the pitching side, nobody's perfect. And what the Royals are able to do with hitters with like with just like this, their three pillars is bring them in and go, okay, you are going to abide by these three pillars. And then once you get to a point where we think we can evaluate you to the hitter you're supposed to be, now how can we build on that, right? So we put the three pillars in. You stop swinging so damn much. And we go, okay, here's the hitter you should have been all along. Now what can we do with you? I can't wait to see what Drew Waters does in the big leagues in 2023. 100%. Yep. Joel, if I'm going to go to the Royals game next week, where do I get my tickets? Go to our good friends at ticketsforless.com if you're taking your, looking to take your crew out to the K. They're for the last month of the season. They're about to hit the road, but when they come back, be sure to check out our friends at Tickets for Less. Ticketsforless.com has the best selection of tickets for all your favorite sporting events, concerts, and shows, including the Royals. Tickets for Less never charges per ticket fees, saving you big time over the other sites out there. You can save even more when you use our exclusive partner code at checkout. Simply enter code KCSN22 when ordering your seats at ticketsforless.com. That code again is KCSN22. All right, uh, boys, do we have any final thoughts for tonight? Josh, actually, let's go to you because we're going to do a little fantasy football bit with football season getting into the swing. We had week zero of college football. There are no more preseason games. September 8th, game one, Thursday night football. I don't remember who's playing. Let's get into some, some final thoughts here, fantasy football version with Josh Kaiser. Uh, thought number one. Draft vetoes are at the worst thing of all time. Trade I'm not vetoes. here for trade vetoes. Yeah, trade vetoes. Out of here with that. Whatever. Okay. So I wanted to kind of treat this like a plant your flag episode. So I got four categories here. I got four trios that I'm, we're going to plant our flags in here. Who you got, who you drafting from these trios. And they kind of got each a theme. So let's start with what I'm theming as the mid-tier quarterback trio. And I've got them all about the same, you know, average draft position. I got Kyler Murray going usually about the fifth round. Uh, Joey Burrow, who's around 509. And Jalen Hurts at 606. Boys, who you got? Who you taking out of that trio? Who's You got them all on the board. Who you going with? I think if I had to pick one from that group, it's for me, it's pretty clearly Kyler Murray. Okay. I just – the ability to run at will in fantasy football changes the game for a quarterback and it really raises his floor. Even if he has a bad day throwing the ball, I think you're guaranteed like a certain amount of value every week from his legs. So I was flipping through kind of what you sent over beforehand. For me, it's Kyler Murray and I love Jalen Hurts. I think the running game is there for him too. Mm. I don't know if I'm bought in on the arm yet. And then Joe Burrow, I, I like him the best as the quarterback on the field. But for fantasy purposes, I will always hedge toward a guy who can run. Yep. See, I'm actually – I'm going to go with Jalen Hurts, and it is a durability thing. Like Kyler Murray's missed two to three games a season throughout his career, 
Jalen Hurts is a similar style quarterback, not as accurate, but can run the ball. But he, he's a bigger dude. He can take a hit. So, you know, and Philly's offense is really predicated around the run game. So he's going to get more opportunities in zone read. He's going to play off script. And he's a good enough passer that for fantasy purposes, it works. So I'd actually go with Jalen Hurts over Kyler Murray. And it's nothing against Joe Burrow, but there's also a little bit of durability concerns with him too, just because his offensive line is a sieve. So that. <laughs> uh, I do love AJ Brown being in Philly, by the way. That's that's, that's going to be huge. AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Hurts. Philly's. I'll call. I'll call it J- the the Philly. The Eagles are going to win the NFC East running away. Like it's not going to yeah. be close. Dallas is going to be awful. <laughs> Dallas is going to be awful. The Commanders are a dumpster fire, and the Giants are. They have Danny Dimes, I guess. Yeah, which we'll means see. They're going to be bad. We'll see about Danny Dimes. I'm with you, Joe. I'm I'm on Jalen Hurts' wagon because of uh, I love AJ Brown. I just love him. I I would have I would have loved to have seen the Chiefs given what they what the what the Eagles gave the Titans. I don't think that deals on the same on the table at the same time with the same AFC divisional thing or conference thing. Uh, but I'm still taking Jalen Hurts for the run game, and I like what they got going on in that wide receiver room for sure. Uh, number two, and this one kind of I've I've had this issue a few times already. We're going with second round running backs, and this is all predicated on it. I'm going to go with the half point PPR, so the the, okay. the pass catching is a little bit you know weighted back to to where it probably should be. So between these three second round running backs, who you got? I think they're actually their draft order is like two. Let's see. Uh, Kamara, which is 205, Nick Chubb is at 203, and Saquon Barkley. Uh, he is let me find that one more time. He's right around, he's at 206. So, Alvin Chubb, Kamara. Barkley, and Kamara. Who Alvin, you got? Alvin Kamara. Say, Alvin Kamara. Nick Chubb is great, but there's almost no pass catching out of, out of him. It's more Kareem Hunt, at least in that running back tandem. And Saquon, who Barkley the hell knows gonna, what that offense is going to look like. That's also totally fair. And then Saquon Barkley will get hurt in week three. So I'll take Alvin Kamara and I'll just go take my championship. I will take Nick Chubb just because nobody else said anything but Alvin Kamara. And again, with Saquon, that offense is going to be brutal. I don't know if he's going to be healthy by week four. So I will go Nick Chubb because the Browns, the only way they're going to be in games is to pound the rock. So Mm -hmm. I will go with Nick Chubb and just pray for volume. I was going to say, they, I think the Giants made some offensive line additions in the offseason, which were a little think, bit tantalizing. I, I don't care. They have Dan, Daniel Jones. <laughs> They're going to be I'm awful. looking at their ESPN depth chart right now. Current starting left guards questionable. The center is questionable. All five of the second string offensive line are questionable. I'll make a couple third stringers. I bet, I'll bet you the Giants have the worst record in football this year. Ooh, there's a lot of good candidates for that. Yeah, I'd still got to go Texans on that round. I, no, the, I think the, the Falcons win. I think the Texans win six games. The fa- it's gonna be the Falcons. Falcons. It's interesting too. We're playing our flags. Or all the over no, place honestly, here, boys. Oh, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Geno Smith is the starting quarterback for the Seahawks. They are winning two games. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot. My bad. And you want to talk about leaking like a sieve? Their defense is awful. Their defense Oof. is gonna be awful. Also, I'm I'm really sorry, bad. your boy Drew Locke couldn't beat out Geno Smith to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Carry on. He, I I did get to see a highlight of him just dropping a dime there in that, and uh, then that immediately threw a ball right to the linebacker on the next. We drive. we don't need to talk about that. We don't need any of that negativity. Sorry, I'll Let's move the, on. The backpack, whatever crap. Uh huh. 
let's go. Next next category is <clears throat> the not Cooper Cup wide receiver. So we yep. uh, Cooper Cup, obviously the 101 as far as almost unanimous as far as what the best wide receiver. So the next group down is Justin Jefferson taking at 108 usually, Jamar Chase taking at 110, and Devontae Adams at 111. Who you got? Why is it not Jamar Chase? It's Justin. I, I honestly think it's Justin Jefferson. That's why I love it so much. And why is Devontae Adams taking all this slander? Yeah. Okay, and it's not even a – well, the reason I wouldn't take Devontae Adams is because his quarterback f- folds like a piece of wet cardboard when he gets blitzed uh, when sure. Aaron Rodgers did not. So that's going to be a problem. Jamar, like the only thing is, like Joe Burrow loves throwing YOLO balls, which is fine, but the law of averages is going to come back at some point. Yeah, and those like those balls just that are not going to get caught every single time. Like there's going to be interceptions, and I honestly think like, the fact that Justin Jefferson is as good as he is with a with Kirk Cousins, but now he has an offensive coach that, by yeah. all accounts, like things are going really well, and a coach that actually likes Kirk Cousins, so they actually might be able to do some better stuff on offense. And if Justin Jefferson's already probably like what maybe wide receiver three overall, he's gonna be really 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 good. Hmm. where are you at alex jamar chase i would take him yeah. with like the third overall pick Ooh. yeah Ooh. i wouldn't i wouldn't hesitate Pull so would you you would even put him over cup at that point no because i, probably, I feel like one no, of one two gotta be more. taylor and and uh mccaffrey right no i'm not drafting christian mccaffrey top two uh-uh. oh okay like not not in a league where I got a lot of money on the line. Like mm. if I'm like I think I it's funny because I drafted Christian McCaffrey fifth overall in our league, but second overall I'm taking safety because I yeah. I hate picking that early. In fact, I'm trying to trade my first round pick <laughs> in my big money league right now because I just don't want to. I, I would rather have two second round picks or two third round picks and a first. I just that's where yeah. I draft. That's where I'm better. I think one and two are Cup and Taylor, and I think three is Chase. I. I'm just really high. I've never seen a receiver with the – I say never. It's been a long time, or you very rarely see a receiver with the ball skills and the athleticism that Jamar Chase has. Like, he is yeah. a freak. Like, Justin Jefferson is obviously very good, but he plays with Kirk Cousins, and his vertical ability is not close to Chase, in my opinion. I, I've just – I don't haven't seen many receivers like Jamar Chase. He's a freak. Yeah. Uh, I feel like the defense is going to be keying on Chase a little bit. He's an absolute monster, so it might not matter. But I might be betting a little bit more on Higgins and Boyd having solid seasons more so uh, than, than this than this I'm, pick too. Yeah, yeah, generally, imagine, too, generally too, I'm fa- I'm fading the Bengals mostly this year. So, <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah, that would make sense. I'm kind of doing uh, the same. Can you guys know the Chiefs could have had T Higgins for free, right? I don't we don't talk we don't, about it. We don't talk about it. Really quick, we don't talk about Higgins. it. Who's who's in the fourth group you had, Josh? Uh, the the next one. Yeah, uh, it's the the first round turn, which is Devontae Adams, Travis Kelsey, and Steph Diggs. Okay, before we get to that, I want to add in a guy here who you should be taking in the second round of your draft. Do not let him get out of the second round. That now that we're talking about guys the Chiefs could have had for free, your a guy who is not being drafted as a top ten wide receiver who will finish as a top five wide receiver this year, guaranteed, Michael Pittman Jr. Uh, that's a lot of love for Pittman, too. Michael that's... Pittman Jr. 
with Matt Ryan is going to be yeah, a top five fantasy receiver. Book it. Put it on the board. <laughs> See ya. Michael Pittman Jr. Do not let him get out of the second round. If you're picking in the back half of the second round and it's not Travis Kelsey, Devontae Adams, or whoever else he just said, Michael Pittman Jr. should be right there on your board. Well, I got Pittman as an ADP of 402. No, so you could uh-uh. even wait till the third round in theory. Nope, nope, nope. nope. Don't let him get out. Don't don't take your chance. <laughs> okay, so to answer your first round turn, yeah, you got Devonte Adams, Travis Kelsey, Steph Diggs, and a half point PPR. Who you got? Steph Diggs. I, I, I would go with Kelsey just from a volume perspective. Like he's still going to get the lion's share of targets. The Chiefs wide receivers are going to be good still. I don't think it's going to be like a crazy like Kelsey and nobody else. My only thing, and this might be a little bit of a bold take, but I've seen a lot of people talk about Gabriel Davis maybe kind of being the wide receiver one for the bills this year. Mm-hmm. So, or like start getting wide receiver one volume. So it might take some away from Stefan Diggs. Could be something to look at. If, I'm like, if I had to, what would you guys think? How many, where did Gabe Davis rank in targets on the Buffalo bills last year? What number do you I, think? Six. Not sure. He was fifth. Uh, let me pull it up here. Behind Diggs, Cole Beasley, Manny Sanders, and Dawson Knox all had more targets than Gabe Davis last year, which kind of shocked me when I first saw that. But I think it was just because of the monster playoff game that he had against the Chiefs last year, yeah. which actually won me a lot of money uh, to do that. But, uh, yeah, it just kind of surprised me that it was fifth on his own team. But, yeah. I will take Travis Kelsey as well for the positional value. But I actually think Devontae Adams is the play there if you're just looking for the best player who will score mm-hmm. the most points. I think Travis Kelsey is a freaking unicorn in terms of what <laughs> he provides you at tight end. But if you were just looking for the player with the most points, I would definitely say Adams in that case. Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly a interesting conundrum you might find yourself in at the, the first round turn there. Because odds are if they're all three are still available, you could still pick up two of those at the – you know, 111, 112 in the back of the 201, 202. But it does seem like, yeah, Kelsey is the unicorn, the positional death. But I think I got to go with Devontae Adams on that as well. Uh, I feel like they paid him. They paid the world for him to, to bring him into Las Vegas. And I feel like they're going to absolutely feed him. Derek Carr loves to throw those short underneath routes that he just bit. He just absolutely did uh, great work with last year with Rodgers. With Rodgers is the asterisk there. But uh, yeah, give me Devontae Adams in that first round turn. But that's all I got. I figured we could sneak in some of these uh, some of these interesting. Also, real quick, uh, thoughts and prayers to Brian Robinson. What a what a oh weird God. situation that was. He seemed like he to- he he did overtake the starting role from Antonio Gibson going into the season, and then it was a carjacking, is what I saw. Got well, shot multiple times. Of, He's doing okay, but it's crazy. I saw a clip on Twitter, ironically enough, on Thursday night last week. I think the, the clip was from Fox News, but I don't remember exactly what the statistic was, but they were talking about this weird increase in carjackings lately. Like there's mm-hmm. been nationally a lot more carjackings than like they normally see. And then for that to happen on Sunday is um, just be aware when you're getting into your car, just keep your head on a swivel and mm-hmm. be safe out there, buddy. So. That's all we got for tonight. If you have already made your fantasy draft, stop drafting so early. Uh, if you have not had your fantasy draft yet, good luck. Feel free to tweet us your pictures of your lineup because I'm a big fan of seeing what all you guys come up with. So big fantasy and, and, football geek here. Love to see the lineups. So 
Let's I love seeing that. those lines be like, are there like six teams in your league? Yeah. Why do you have seven just absolute super? I just love watching yes. it. It happens every time. Yes, it's so much fun to watch. Big nerds over here. So yep. you guys enjoy your week. Thank you for listening. Please, please, please rate, review, subscribe um, on the podcast channels. Find a way to, to have us on your ears every week. Uh, coming in the off season, things will be a little bit different. But keep following for now. A few more weeks of the minor league regular season at hand. And then things will be a little bit different. But we love you guys. Tickets for less. KCSE, KCSN, Royals Farm Report, Drum Farm. Charlie Hustle. Be sure to go and check it out. Charlie Hustle, yeah. Hooking us up with the swag. Uh, and then they have the they sponsor the new show, the best of best, best of uh, everything. Bit of, bit of everything. Yeah. A bit, bit of everything. everything. Saturday morning. So good night, Canada. <laughs> <laughs>